everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Never take for granted what God is doing in your lives. Churches start every year, trust me, and they don't have the first year that we had at Linked Up Church. And so I want to again say thank you to God, acknowledge that it was His grace and His goodness that He showed towards us that made all of that possible. But I want you to know, I believe God told me that last year was good, but 2015 is getting ready to be even better. Okay? And so, before we get into the message today, if you would, just find two or three people, and I want you to love on them. You haven't seen them since last year. I want you to tell them, Happy New Year. God bless you. Tell them it's so good to see you. Come on, start the new year off loving on somebody. I didn't tell anyone to sit down yet. Why are you all so tired out there? I'm the one getting ready to stand up for the next 45, 50 minutes or so. I want to say on behalf of my wife and I, my children are here today. My son is here, so this will be a quick message today. He puts me on the clock, makes sure I pull out of it in due time. And so on behalf of my family, I won't have time at the end. We just want to say Happy New Year. We're honored to serve as your pastors. There's no greater level of honor God can bestow upon us than to allow us to be your pastors and to serve you. That doesn't make us great. It just makes us servants. And we're honored to serve you all. Now you can be seated. And let's get into what God has for us in this new year. Now, I'll need to go through this fairly quickly because uh, West End Seventh-day Adventists will have a homegoing service today. So we'll need to clear this building by 2 p.m. today, okay? So on last year, you all will recall, if you all could, they're asking me to ask you all if you have space in between to scoot in because people are standing in the hallways. So let's get everyone in that we can, and then people are still coming on the lot. If you all could, if you have space, uh, just scoot over a little bit so we can get as many people in seats before we do anything creatively. I think this is a good way to start the first 11 o'clock service off of the new year, full. On last year, the Lord had given me a word in Isaiah and kind of how he deals with me, gives me one verse, then I have to go back and figure out what all of that means. And last year, he told me he was going to do some new things uh, in me and for me and that he was going to make ways where there wouldn't be any ways. And certainly, uh, as my wife and I reflected, we looked back over 2014, almost everything in our life is new. And so I'm excited about what God spoke to me about this year because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So if God spoke it, he shall do it. He'll always perform his word if we believe it with signs and wonders following. And so this year, uh, while in prayer, the Lord just spoke to me, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And he said that this year he was going to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And I immediately just got excited. But like anything else, I've got to go back, flush out what all of that means. And so let's back up to go forward today. If you would, go to Ephesians chapter 3 and let's begin reading at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, and let's begin reading at verse 
14. Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus, and I believe it is his prayer for us today by the Spirit of God. I want you to listen to the components of this prayer because it is indeed very powerful. It is the foundation for walking in verse 20. So I'll read it, talk a little bit about what it means, then I'll give you five things that we'll need to do all year long to experience verse 20 in our lives. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. You'll notice Paul says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven is earth and earth is named. So he starts this prayer off by worshiping God. And that's a great way to start prayer by coming into his presence with worship. And then he begins to be very specific about what he's praying. He prays that he would grant them or us, specifically the church at Ephesus, according to the riches of his glory. That word there, riches, means the abundance of his glory. His glory can be defined as his goodness, but really he's talking about something that is seen, something that is manifested. So he's praying that God would grant us according to the abundance of his glory to be strengthened with might. And this word strengthen here means to be empowered. It means to increase in vigor. So he's praying that they would be empowered and increased with vigor, but he's saying with might. Now, this word might here is a Greek word dunamis, and it means force. It means miraculous power or ability, okay? And so he's praying that they would be empowered with vigor on the inside of them with miraculous power and ability, okay? Dunamis is God's miraculous power and ability. And Paul is praying that they would be strengthened and empowered with that by his spirit in the inner man. That's important for you to know. Paul prays that they would be empowered and strengthened with vigor, with God's explosive power and ability in their inner man. I want you all to know that God has already done everything that he is going to do. And so in terms of God's part, it's over, it's finished. Jesus has sat down at the right hand of God the Father, and he is resting today. Everything else has to happen on the inside of us before it can manifest on the outside. So Paul is praying that they would be empowered, that they would be strengthened in their inner man, and he's talking about something specific with God's miraculous power and God's miraculous ability. In verse 17, he says that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. He's praying for them that God would have a heart, that Christ would have a home in their heart. How many know it's one thing for Christ to be at home in your heart on Sunday is something completely different for him to be at home in your heart 365 days a year, 52 weeks out of the year. How many know that's something completely different? He's praying that Christ would have a home in their heart all the time by faith. And then he's praying that they would be rooted and grounded in love. And the word rooted here means to take root and to become stable in God's love. Love there is the Greek word agape. And so he's talking about an unconditional love. And he's talking about the God kind of love, that we would be rooted 
and grounded. That word grounded there means to lay a basis. So he wants love or God's kind of love to be the foundation that everything in our life is settled on. So we can't let people this year get us out of the love of God. I mean, no, no strife this year. Don't let people move you off of the love of God. Maybe you don't have people in your life that love you. Maybe you've never experienced it. But I'm here to tell you today that God loves you and God's love never fail, fails. And as long as you stay in God, you'll stay in God's love. And if God never fails, then you will never fail fail either. It doesn't mean the challenges won't come. It's just that you won't succumb to them and you won't fail. He prayed in verse uh, 18 that they would comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. He wanted them to know how wide God's love was. He wanted them to know how deep God loves God goals. And he wanted them to know how high God's love is. How I many you know that's a love that is uncomprehendable when you cannot put your arms around it, when you cannot dig low enough to get under it, and you can't climb tall enough to get over it. God's love is amazing. And not only does he want us to know it this year, he wants us to experience it for ourselves. Verse 19 says, and to know the love of Christ. He wants us to experience that. That word know there means to experience the love of Christ. It's one thing to say that God loves Pastor Gregory. It's another thing to say that God loves whatever your favorite leader is. But I mean, it's something completely different when you know God loves you for yourself. Thank God what he did for Pastor Gregory. Thank God for what he did for other leaders. But this year, he wants you to experience that love for yourself. Verse 19 says, and to know the love of Christ, which passive knowledge is not comprehensible, that you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. You would be filled with everything that God is. God is love. God is faith. God is peace. God is joy. Paul is praying that they would be filled with everything that God is. And how many know when you're full of God, then things have to happen in your life the way God intended for them to happen. So the foundation for the word that I want to give you all this year, there are five things really that Paul prayed for them before he arrived at verse number 20. And it's these five areas that we'll have to live in all year long if we want God's miraculous ability to flow through us and we want God to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Number one, from verse 16, Paul prayed that they would keep their inner man strong. Number one, keep your inner man strong. And there are four ways for you to do that all year long. Write down all four of them, okay? Keep your inner man strong. That is your spirit man. Keep him strong. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man needs to be renewed every single day. Four ways to do that. Number one, by having a daily word life. I mean, it's a good thing to spend time in the word every day. Number two, having a daily prayer life. Okay? So daily in prayer, daily in the word. Number three. Having a serving life. No amens on that one. I mean, when you love someone, you want to do something for them. And number four, having a good fellowship life. 
Watch the company you keep this year. All right? So if you're hanging around the right people, serving God at the church, solid prayer life, solid word life, how many know you're going to be strong in your inner man? Number two, Christ must have a home in your heart. Again, not just on Sunday morning, but every single day of your life, Christ must have a home. You cannot come to church, be full of Christ, and then on Monday, full of something else. Christ must have a home in your heart. Number three, stay rooted and grounded in love. Let love be the foundation of all of your stability in 2015. Regardless of what other people do to you, never lose the sight or lose the fact that God loves you unconditionally and there's nothing you can do to stop God from loving you. Stay rooted and grounded in God's love. Number four, desire to experience his love for yourself. Again, it's one thing to know about the love of God. It's a whole nother thing to experience that for yourself where you draw the conclusion, I know God loves me because of all of the wonderful things he does in and for you. Number five, stay filled with all the fullness of God. And if you do the first four, how many of y'all know you'll stay full and you'll stay filled with all the fullness of God, okay? Now, let's get to verse number 20. All of that was the foundation because it is not automatic. What I'm getting ready to minister to you is not automatic. This is your part. God's already done his part. Your part is to make sure you keep your inner man strong, make sure that Christ has a home in your heart, stay rooted and grounded in God's love, desire to experience that love for yourself, and stay filled with all the fullness of God. Now in verse 20, notice what he says, now unto him. So in other words, as a result of everything else, that's what makes verse 20 uh, possible. He says, now to him who is able, we could stop right there and go home, just knowing that he's able. But he said, now unto him who is able to do. I mean, we can stop right there and go home if we needed to, just knowing he's able to do. But he said, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. I mean, we really could go home right there just knowing that. But he says something here that it took me really studying Rick Warren, not Rick Warren, Rick Renner's position. Rick Renner is a spirit-filled Greek scholar, okay, spirit-filled, and really I think he has the best understanding of Greek words in the New Testament. Our English translation of these words is very limited. And so you really, to get a a better, deeper, full understanding, you've got to go back and really dig out everything that he's trying to say because our one English translation of it does not do it any justice, okay? And so that's what I've done. And so for those that are taking notes, get as much of this as you can, then go to SoundCloud and then write down what you missed based off of what I'm getting ready to tell you. So now, this phrase, who is able comes from a Greek word, dunamai, D-U-M-A-M-A-I, dunamai, D-U-N-A-M-A-I, dunamai, and it literally means to be able to do something, to be capable, strong, and powerful, okay? It means to be able to do something, to be capable, strong, and powerful, This word dunamai 
is the root word of the Greek word dunamis that we read there when he prayed for them that they would be strengthened with all might. This is the same, this is the root word from that word, okay? And so he's saying here that God is able to do something, he is capable, and he's strong and powerful enough to do whatever it is you can ask or think. Let's keep looking at this. He said, who is able? Uh, He goes on to say here, exceeding abundantly are two Greek words, which are hooper expressio. Okay, let me spell these for you. H-U-P-E-R, two Greek words. E-X-P-E-R-I-S-S-O-U. Okay, hooper, H-U-P-R, E-X-P-E-R-I-S-S-O-U. This literally means exceeding some measure. Okay, so the way Paul writes this, he takes the word for exceeding some measure, then he adds a prefix that makes it even stronger, which means really exceeding some measure. And then he puts an additional word for over, meaning over really exceeding some measure. So if you understand what he's saying here, our measure is whatever level we're able to think at or the level that we're able to ask at. And so what God is saying is he's able to go exceedingly way over the top, far beyond whatever it is that we could ask or think. But it's our measure that he works from. I mean, I can think big. Anybody else in here can think big? I mean, I mean, I can literally ask for big stuff. But what God is saying is, that's where I'll start, and then I'll go over really exceeding beyond that. I don't know about you, but that's exciting for me to know. Paul goes on as if that was enough. He goes on to literally say, God will take anything that we could ask or think of and take that above all, but it's really over, really exceeding some measure above all. And so there's really, I don't know how to really describe this to you, but it's way beyond whatever level you're thinking on right now. Okay, and really the best way I can illustrate this uh, you know, I haven't driven a, a new car, and not because I couldn't. I chose not to to better take care of my family. But I haven't driven a brand-new car in, in 17 years. And so I went on and ordered me one, okay? I ordered—it's a real conservative car. It's just a 3 Series. But, but the way I ordered it, it's, it's really—it's unique. That's the best way I can describe it. So because there was not one on the lot, there was not one in the United States of America, I had never seen it with my physical eyes. It's not a popular model— in the United States of America. It's only popular in Germany. It's not popular in the United States of America. And so, I mean, no, I had a thought and I asked God uh, and I had a vision of what that looked like. But man, when they called me and told me that it arrived and I actually seen it for the first time, I mean, it was way beyond, above and beyond what I actually had thought it would be. So much so that all the salespeople ran out to take pictures of it and they started calling this one of a kind. And they were saying, you'll be the only person driving around the United States of America with this particular color combination. This is one of a kind. And they're taking pictures of it and sending it to their other uh, people that they 
not there. Uh, the people that they're, what are they, what are they called when you have people that you sold cars to in the past? Their former clients. They're sending these pictures to all of their former clients because this was a color combination that is not mass produced. And the interior, they don't do this interior color combination on this particular model and this particular brand. So when I saw it with my own eyes, how I many you know it went way beyond what I actually thought it was? Matter of fact, I loved it so much, I almost grabbed a blanket and a pillow and slept in it the first night. You wouldn't understand that unless you haven't driven a new car in 17 years. It just really blessed me. The only other illustration I can think of on a personal level was when we had lost our income, I believed, God, that none of that income would be lost. And so one week later, a, a full year's salary was on our front porch, and we never asked for it. Someone has never attended the church mailed that to our home. And how many of you know I was excited about that? But God went way beyond that and doubled that by the time a year went past. And so God went exceedingly, exceeding abundantly, way beyond what I asked for or I even thought about. That's what kind of year is getting ready to be for you. That you have a particular measure that you can think about. You have a particular measure that you can ask God for, but God is getting ready to go way beyond that. And I'm not talking to just people that are struggling in here. I'm talking to people that are highly successful. Yes, you are at a certain level now, and you've thought about getting to a certain level, but God is saying, because I'm God, I'm getting ready to even go way beyond that. So you have not seen your best days yet. Somebody shout glory in this place. But I saw something here that I never saw before. He said he's going to do this as above what we could ask or think. And so I looked up this word ask here, and it's a Greek word, ATO is how I would pronounce it, but it's spelled A-I-T-E-O. And it means to ask, it means to call for, it means to crave, it means to desire, and it means to require. So it's a request from the will. Now listen very carefully. It's what's called, it's what's, it's, it, in it is what's called the middle voice, which means to ask for one's self from your will. Now, if you're a person that is staying strong in your inner man, you have a solid prayer life, word life, fellowship life, come on, you're serving at your church. I mean, you're doing everything that we talked about. I mean, you're not getting ready to ask for anything that does not agree with God's will. And what God is saying is, then I will go exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think because your heart, your dreams, and your desires are in line with my will. So when you ask for yourself, how many know you want to make sure you're asking in accordance and your will is in agreement or agreeable to God's will? All right. Then this word think here is a Greek word, noeo. It's spelled N-O-E-O. And it means to perceive with the mind, to think upon, to ponder, to consider. So what God is saying here is no matter what you're considering, no matter what you're thinking about, the Amplifies there talks about whatever you can pray, dream, think, or desire. No matter how big your dreams are, what God is saying here, 
Whatever you ask for, whatever it is you're thinking about, whatever it is you're dreaming about, whatever it is you're pondering over, I'm able to go way beyond that. So if you can see it with your natural eyes and understand it with your limited thinking, God is saying, because I'm God, I'm getting ready to go way beyond that. Now, what's the lesson here? If Bill Gates walked in this building right now, people would get excited about that. You know why? Because Bill Gates has a lot of money. And we believe he has a lot of intelligence. He could teach us things, right, to to help us get over the top and get to the next level. What's the other one's name? Uh, Berkshire Hathaway? Uh, Warren Buffett walked in here right now. Most of us would say, sit down, Pastor Gregory. Let Warren Buffett get up there and talk for a little while. And rightfully so, in his arena. But we get excited about that because we think Warren Buffett has enough. Let me tell you, they could not hold a toothpick to who God is. Your chances of having a one-on-one conversation with Bill Gates or Warren Buffett is very limited. But your opportunity to have a conversation with God is daily, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. You can talk to the man who has all the wisdom of the universe. And whatever they have, God gave it to them. Now, let's take a look at how big God is. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Let's look at how big. We serve a great God. I said we serve a great God. I said we serve a great God. Somebody say that with me. Say, I serve a great God. Come on, say, I serve a big God. And he can do anything in my life. And he can do it now. Go ahead and thank God for that right now. Come on, thank God for that right now. Come on, let's look at how big God is. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 12, I want you to see this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who has counseled, who, who has his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look. He lifts up the aisles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? Nobody and none. That is your father. Okay? Let's understand what he's saying. Just how big is God if he can measure the ocean with the palm of his hand? Not his whole hand. How big is God if he can measure the entire ocean with just the palm of his hands? How big is God if he can measure the entire universe with the span of his hand? 
So he can do the ocean with just the palm. He can measure the entire universe with the length of his hand. How big is God? So you think your little bitty job, career, business, hello somebody, home. See, God is trying to go way beyond that. You're believing God for rent and God's trying to bless you with a home. Come on, you're believing God to get healed and God's trying to give you divine health so that you never need healing. Come on, somebody. God's trying to do way beyond what it is you're thinking about right now because he's just that big. Now, let's look at some biblical illustrations of this. Go with me to Matthew chapter 14, and then I'm going to speak some things prophetically to you. Matthew chapter 14, when you get there, say amen. We'll start reading at verse 14. Matthew 14, 14, I will read out of the New King James Version of the Bible. Matthew 14, 14, are you there? And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude And he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fishes. Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he blessed and broke it, and he gave thanks for it. How many of y'all know it's a good thing to be able to thank God for what you have? And it's also a good thing to be willing to give God what you have because God can do more with it than you can do with it. So notice, he said, give it to me. And then he took it and he looked up to heaven and he blessed God, thanked God for what he had. And then he blessed God with that. And I want you to see what happened to it because the disciples, the little boy and one other translation, they all had the right attitude. He blessed it, broke it, gave it to the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. So if there were 5,000 men there, how many women do you think were present? In America, what is it, about 8 to 1 males to females? In churches, probably 12 to 1. No, not in this church, though. We've got a lot of men. In in other churches, it's probably that way. But it's actually, we've got a lot of men in this church. But my point here, and I'm going to be very conservative. Let's just say there are 5,000 other women, okay, or women here, okay? So we got 5,000 men, 5,000 women. But he said children also. How many know when you get men and women together? All right, at least two. My wife and I, we had two kids. But let's be very conservative and say that there are 5,000 kids here. How many of y'all would agree that's a conservative number? Right? So he fed, I want you to see something here, and I'm getting ready to speak something prophetically into your life. He fed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Why? Because they were willing to give him what they had and be thankful for what they had. Here's the word of the Lord unto you. 
This is a year where God will take your not enough and turn it into too much. This side still sleep. I'm getting ready to try this side over here. I speak this prophetically to you. This is a year where God will take your not enough and turn it into too much. Come on, somebody ought to shout hallelujah for that. I don't know if you understand the magnitude of that. That is exceeding abundantly above all that they could ask or think. Not only did he feed 15,000 people, they still had fragments full left over, and everyone was full. Why? Because they were willing to give God what they had. They were willing to be thankful for what they had, and so God took their not enough and turned it into too much. I'm telling you, your days of living in the land of not enough is over and God is getting ready to take you into the land of too much. Come on. You ought to be tired of just barely being able to pay your bills. You ought to be tired of just barely being able to pay your car. No. At some point, you've got to get to a place where you stop saying, Lord, help me, help me, help me. But you get to a place where now God can use you to help somebody else. Drop down to Matthew chapter 14. Drop down to verse 22. Somebody say, this will be a year where God will take my not enough and turn it into too much. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? Look at verse 22. Let's look at another example. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. How I many know if God gives you a word and tells you to go to the other side, you are going to get to the other side. Amen. Regardless of what obstacles come your way, if God spoke it to you, you are going to get to the other side. Let's keep reading here. So he told them, get in the boat and go over to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, Uh, When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And so, I'm not delivering some kind of sugar message to you like this is getting ready to be a year where you will not have challenges. I'm telling you, sometimes when you are following the will of God and you know what God said to you, you still will have contrary winds and you will have waves that will rise up, number one, because the crabs in the barrel don't want to see you get out of the barrel because they're scared that you're going to be something that they're not. And Satan definitely don't want you to get out of the barrel. Why? Because he knows once you get out, you're going to go back and inspire so many other people to do the same thing. So sometimes because you're spot on where the word of God and the will of God is concerned, there will be wind that will be contrary and there will be waves that will be boisterous. But if you have a word from God, just keep rowing, baby, because you will get to the other side. So the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them. The, Jewish, the Jews broke the night watches 
up into four watches from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. These were three-hour watches where they would pray from 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, and then 3 to 6. So this is literally from 3 to 6 a.m. in the morning. I mean, Jesus has left them out there for a while. And so there may be time, a, a season or a period in your life where it seems like God is not with you, but I'm telling you, he promised you he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. It's always in the middle of storms. It's always when the wind is boisterous that Satan tries to come to us and tell us that God has left us. But I'm here to tell you today, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And know that he is always near. So just keep rowing because God is on your side. And if God is on your side, then there's nothing that any man can do unto you. So he goes out to them on the fourth watch of the night. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, you know, that's not normal right there all by itself. He went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Notice what he said. When they got in fear, he told them to be of good courage. So when the winds come this year and the waves become boisterous and you start feeling like your life is being tossed to and fro, if you happen to go through something like that, be of good cheer. Why? Because God gave you a word. And if he gave you a word, you know that you are going to get to the other side. So put a smile on your face, wave at the wind, wave at the waves, and just keep on rowing because you will get to the other side side. He said, be not afraid. Be of good courage. It is I. Now, I want to show you something. Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it is you, then command me to come to you on the water. Now, Peter asked for something big. Now, I don't know when the last time you tried to go to Lake Lanier. And walk across it. Matter of fact, we lived in Florida. And let me tell you, you try to walk across some of those lakes, you better know God told you because all of them have alligators in them. <laughs> Every time we look out our backyard, it'd be sets of eyes just looking right back at us. Am I right or wrong? Sets of eyes. Not one set. Sets of eyes. So it's like alligators out there. So, I mean, you don't want to be out playing around water. But my point is, Peter asked for something big. He said, Lord, if that's you, then command me to come out here and walk on the water. Now, there were other disciples that were in the boat that they didn't have the gumption that Peter is displaying right here. So Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. Notice Jesus is not surprised by that at all. He said, come. And how many of y'all know one word from God can change your life for the rest of your life? Come on, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. All you need is a word from God. Only thing here Jesus said to him was come. And Peter stepped out on that word. And when Peter had come down out of the water or out of the boat, he walked on the water. So how many of y'all know he is doing what he asked to do? But just like anything else, I want to show you something here. So Peter came down on the boat. He walked on the water and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, deliver me. Notice, beginning to sink. He, what? he hadn't sunk yet. 
And so notice Jesus' response here. Jesus immediately stretched his hand out and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So in other words, Jesus was telling him, you could have walked across the whole lake, but you let doubt creep in. Okay? Try and expand your horizons this year. Some of you all could already be there by now. But you let doubt creep in. You let circumstances run you off of it. You didn't completely fail. You just started to fail and you abandoned the whole ship. I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. Some of you all gave up too soon. Notice Jesus was right there immediately. He's never that far from you that, that if you step out, he'll be there to grab you if anything happens. Now, a lot of people might talk about Peter, but in reality, Peter wasn't afraid to get out of the boat. In reality, Peter wasn't afraid to step down on the water. And I don't know about you. I'm challenging somebody this year, but I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat rider any day of the week. And for some of you all, you've been riding in dry boats for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and it's time for you to get out of the boat and step out on the water and realize all of the great things that God has for you. And so when they got into the boat, the scripture says the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. I want to speak a word prophetically to you. This is a year, this is the type of year where God is going to do some things for you that after he does them, does them, you are going to say, truly, you are the son of God. It is going to, it is going to bless you so richly that at the end of it, all you'll be able to say is truly, you are the son of God because only God could have done something like that in my life. And I don't know about you, I love having experiences where I look back and I say, truly, God really loves me because of what he's done in and for me. Now, I wrote this down because when it came out, I want to show you this so you all understand. I wrote this down because when it leaked in my spirit, I said, Lord, you want me to say that to him? He said, yes, I want you to say it to him. So I want you to listen to me, okay? None of this is automatic, okay? You cannot be a judge and a believer at the same time. You have people who come to church and they judge everything that's being said, so they never manifest any of it because they're judges. That's what the Pharisees and the the, uh, Sadducees were. They couldn't receive from Jesus because they were too busy judging what he said. You can't be a judge and a believer at the same time. You must be a believer. All right? So now, notice what Jesus said. What, notice what he said to Peter. He said, why did you doubt? All right? So doubt is what kept him away from experiencing all that God had for him. He said he had little faith. That little faith there means he had a little burst of faith. So he had enough to get started, but as soon as adversity came, he folded. Right? And then he began to doubt. And so doubt is what kept him out of what God had for him. All right? So write this down because this is, this is as much prophetic as anything else that I've said to you. 
If you doubt, you will be left out. Let me try this side of the room over here. No one got excited over that. See, if you don't plan on doubting, that would be a good word to you. If you doubt, you will be left out. Everyone doesn't walk in whatever the word was for every year because people judge it. Let me tell you, you can't be a judge and a believer at the same time. It's impossible. You're either one or the other. You're either a judge or you're a believer. I'm a believer. This is a year where God's getting ready to do exceedingly abundantly above, all, exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. I believe that. God's getting ready to go way beyond whatever level I'm thinking and whatever I'm asking him for. God's getting ready to go way beyond that. Do I have any other believers in this building today? Somebody say it by faith with me. Say, I am a believer. I am not a doubter or a judge. I am a believer. Therefore, I will see God do in my life exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. Now, somebody thank God for that in this place. Come on, somebody thank God for that this place. Come on, somebody thank God for that in this place. Come on, somebody thank God for that in this place. Come on, somebody thank God for that in this place. So remember, if you doubt, you will be left out. It's not going to affect the person who believes, but what you don't want to happen is that this year looks just like last year did. And if your life has not advanced much from last year, you did too much doubting and too much judging and not enough believing. See, when you're critical about everything and all you can see is what's wrong and all you can figure out is what someone should have did, what they should have said, what they should be doing... You don't see much in your own life because that's too busy judging somebody else's life. Somebody say it again. I will not doubt, so I will not be left out. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. This year won't look like last year. You know why? Because I will not doubt. And because I will not doubt, I will not be left out. Come on, somebody get excited about that in this place today. Now, let's wrap it up. Go back to Ephesians chapter 3. He said in verse 20, it's according to the power of that works in us. Now, I've read this and studied this completely different than I understand it as I'm getting ready to deliver it to you. Okay? 
Rick Winter gave me an excellent just thank God for people like that, pure Bible teachers who study it and draw it out like that, help us understand it better. Okay, listen here. He said, it's according to the power that works in us. Okay, I've always kind of thought that I had to do something to, 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 to make more power come out of me. I always thought I had to do something. Now, that's a part of it, but that's not what this verse is talking about, okay? And so we're going to read it very slowly here. This word power here is that same Greek word dunamis. And so, how I many know we don't have dunamis? He has dunamis. So right away, that should give us some insight. Then it's talking about his power and his ability that's working in us, not ours, okay? And so it's according to the power that works in us. So now, so that word power, that means miraculous uh, ability, power, strength. So now, Rick Winter here began to ask some questions. Does this mean that there is a limit to how God will work in my life? No. Is God's work in my life limited to what I will allow him to do? It's not what this verse is talking about either. That's kind of how I always understood it, but that's not what he's talking about. If you think about it, that would be a legalistic way to teach that. Because what that's saying is that when you do something, God will do something. But God has already done everything that he's going to do. What he's talking about here is then us responding to the great power and ability that he's made available to us and placed in us. And so what we have to be able to do is release it out of us. All right, listen carefully here. So this isn't talking about here what limits God. It's talking about what's available to us. And there's a difference. We're not talking about here what limits God because nothing limits God. What we're talking about is what God made available to us and how we respond to that. So God has as much power and ability as we will ever need. Scripture says that the same power that he used to raise Jesus from the grave now lives on the inside of you. I mean, that's a lot of ability on the inside of you. Come on, that, that is raising from the dead ability on the inside of you. And our job is to release that out of us. All right? So now, so we're really talking about here God's power in me. All right? So now, there's so many other things I can say here, but you all might recall, write this down in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And we know the Bible is full of examples of people who allowed, who, allowed, who allowed God's miraculous power and ability to flow through them. We know Peter was an example of that. Peter was someone that denied Jesus three times and, matter of fact, started cussing when they asked him on the third time. But something happened in Peter. Something changed Peter. You all might recall in Matthew 22 when, when Jesus told the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power on high. Well, they had to wait up there for 10 days until that power showed up. And we know that the Holy Ghost came on them and they began to do some miraculous, powerful things. So much so in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and preaches a message and 3,000 souls 
gave their lives to Christ. How many of y'all know something changed not for Peter, something changed in Peter. And when it changed in Peter, everything around Peter began to change because he allowed God's miraculous power and ability that came on him to flow out of him and be a blessing to so many other people. And that's what I'm talking about this year will be like for you. Don't look as much for what God is doing on the outside. Yes, he's going to do a whole lot on the outside, but he's doing, desiring to do so much more on the inside so that he can release his goodness, his glory, and his power through you to affect a lost and dying world out there. Come on, folks. We need to bring God to the world. We have to stop waiting on them to come to church and we have to bring the church to them and they are no longer listening to what we're saying. But if they see God's power flow out of us, if they get healed because we pray for them, if they get saved because we pray for them, if they get a job because we pray for them, then I mean, we brought the kingdom of God to them. And that's what he's talking about, allowing his miraculous ability to flow through us. Now, think about that. If that's my motive and my desire, then why wouldn't he do anything I ask him? Why wouldn't he? Because I'm desiring to build his kingdom. So, how many of y'all know he's going to do more for me than I can ever do for him? So, then my life is going to look like what's happening on the inside of me. All right? Now, let's close right here. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. I want to prophesy this to you. I didn't get this out the first service, but I want to prophesy this to you. You are the person that God wants to use. Don't look across the neighbor. Matter of fact, point at your neighbor and tell him you. Point at him. Point your finger. Tell him you are the person that God wants to use. Now point to yourself and say, I am the person that God wants to use. This year, I will let God's power and ability flow out of me to bless the world. See, and I'm telling you, when you do that, then there's nothing he will withhold from you. Hallelujah. Last thought of the day. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. You all get anything out of this? I haven't even given you the title yet or the thing. I'm just telling you it's going to be a year where he does exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Exceeding. Then I'll tell you the title momentarily. Notice what he says in verse 21. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What is he saying here? God wants the glory, and he wants the glory to stay in the church. Now, we're not talking about a building when we talk about church. That's a part of it. But that word church is a Greek word, ecclesia, and it's just a called-out group of people. If you take all of us and take us to an amphitheater, the amphitheater becomes the church. All right? I want you to get what he's saying here. Listen very carefully. God has the power to give us so we can bring him glory. Watch this. Not so that we can get attention.
Did you all hear what I just said? Okay, listen to this. Sometimes we do things so we can be appreciated. Sometimes we do things to get the attention we crave. And I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings in here, but God doesn't want people attracted to you. God wants people attracted to him. Why? Because when they come to us, we can't give them anything. But when they come to him, he has everything to give them. Don't take his glory. So he said a couple of things here. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be some mind-blowing stuff this year. I'm talking about mind-blowing. We're going to look back and say, only the Lord could have done something like that. I mean, I'm talking about you literally going to say to yourself, I know God loves me. Because only God could have done something like that. I'm talking about it's going to be some mind-blowing stuff. Some of it is already happening as I speak. Okay? We couldn't even get out of last year good without experiencing some stuff. We didn't even get out of last year. I shared this with a, with a bishop friend of mine, and he sent me a text. It's happening already. And something was already in motion. I'll talk to you about that sooner, sooner than later. Something's in motion. When I tell you I know I'm spot on, I didn't even have the message finished yet, and it was already happening. It's getting ready to happen for you, too. Anyone up there in the balcony believe that? I said, anyone up there in the balcony believe that? Listen to what I'm telling you. This is a year where he's getting ready to go way beyond what you can think or act. See, the measure that he was talking about in Ephesians 3 is our ability to think and our ability to ask. That's the measure that he works from. And then he goes way beyond that. That's what makes him God. Okay? Now, I don't have time to read it because we're just out of time. There's a home going. Write down Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 18. And you'll see that while... Peter and Barnabas, while Peter was up, or Paul actually and Barnabas, while Paul was up preaching, because he was preaching good and and getting people delivered, saved, they tried to make him into a God and give the glory for what God was doing to him. Paul ran over to those people and said, what are you all doing? Stop that. We're men just like you are with the same nature that you have. What am I saying here? When God blesses you, don't take the glory away from you. Okay? So wherever you're at, stop and give God the glory. And then run back to the church and share your testimony so other people can be strengthened by what he's doing in your life. Listen to me. Stay rooted and grounded in his love because when these blessings come, they won't take you away from God. They'll draw you closer to God. Best way I can illustrate this to you is I tell you, I know my wife loves me. I know she does. Let me tell you something. And I, and we all, me and we take her for granted, and we need to stop that and really appreciate who she is. She was, we were on vacation. We went to Cancun. We went to, I don't know, we're all with Key West. We went to a lot of different places, having a lot of time. This woman wouldn't even let our clothes get dirty. Every place that we were stopping, she was washing our clothes, folding our clothes, and I know that's what you were disappointed about. I apologize for that. I know that's where that was coming from. And she was stopping, and she was washing our clothes. So before we could get to the next location, 
we had clean clothes. How many people you know would do something like that on vacation? Every day making sure that all three of us were always taken care of. I mean, I know that woman loves me. I know that. And all three of us have to do a better job of demonstrating our appreciation for what she does. But let me say this to you. It would be stupid on my part to experience that kind of love from her and not. Listen, not stop and give first God the glory for her, but then return that back to her. Are you all listening out there? That's all God is saying this year. He's going to do so much. Don't forget to stop and give him the glory. And then it should make you want to serve him more. Hallelujah. So what kind of year is this for linked up church? Awesome, definitely. (laughs) 2015, I want you to listen to me, is a year where God would do exceeding abundantly above all that we could actually think. But that's not the thing. Because I don't want you stuck on that, okay? It's a year of staying connected to God's unlimited power. You see the difference? And as a result of staying connected to God's unlimited power by being strong daily in our inner man, all the things that we talked about, those five things that we talked about, by keeping our inner man strong, Christ having a home in our heart, staying rooted and grounded in love, desiring to experience his love for ourselves, staying filled with all the fullness of God, it's as a result of that that he's going to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. But it's because we're staying connected to his ability, not our ability. Hallelujah. Did you all get anything out of this today? Anyone else in here excited about 2015? Am I the only one excited about 2015? Because I'm telling you, I've asked for a 2,500-seat sanctuary debt-free. I've asked for that. And you know what he just said? I'm way beyond that. I've seen a first-class children's church and youth facility. God is saying, I'm way beyond that. I guess God's going to do something where he's going to beat, the kids are going to beat you up in the morning. Get up, it's time to go to church because of the type of facilities that we will provide for our young people. I'm excited to know that I can think at a certain measure, I can dream at a certain measure, I can ask at a certain measure. But God's getting ready to go way beyond that. Let's stand up on our feet and give God the glory for what we heard today. Lift up your hands. Open up your mouth. Give God the glory. Determine in your heart to not be a judge. Determine in your heart to just simply be a believer this year. And set your faith for it. And press into the fast. And do all five things all year long so that God can go way beyond what we can ask or think. Father, I will not doubt, Father, because I don't want to be left out. I believe you spoke that word to my spirit by faith, Father. 
and I've shared it with the congregation, and we'll share it all year long. There are other aspects to it, Father, that I'll share all year long. This will be a year where we'll grow in the fruit of the Spirit, which is your character, and we'll go grow in the gifts of the Spirit, which are your power, Father. And we're going to stay full of that all year long, Father. We're going to connect people in a greater way, drive the vision home in a greater way, Father. And Father, I thank you, Father, that we will move mightily towards ultimately what our next permanent address will be. I thank you in advance. I give you the glory that you are way beyond whatever measure I'm thinking or asking about right now. And I thank you and give you all glory for it in advance in Jesus' name. Now, if everyone would, just look up here at me for a moment. If you're here today, the best way to start your new year off is by getting your heart right with God. So if you're not born again, you're not saved, Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. I want to pray for you today. He didn't make that difficult. You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart.